Hey everybody, this is The Inconvenient Truth with Cerise and Early, and this is actually a bonus episode. We just wanted to jump in and um, just kind of weigh in and talk about how, of course, Kanye West is in the news right now with his um, his uh, presidential rally in, on Sunday in uh, South Carolina. And with this particular episode, it's just a bonus, we're going to talk about how past trauma is affecting Kanye West, and we're going to dive into how past trauma can affect us as well. So let's just get up to speed with it. Kanye West, um, everybody is is kind of going crazy because he has yet again gone on a rant. Right. And, and again, there's no judgment. We're not here to diagnose uh, anything that he's going through. We can only go by what he said and by what um, what we've experienced in our own personal lives. So let's jump right into it and talk about when, when I say trauma, Sharice, what's one of the first things, what, what is that kind of a working definition in your world of what trauma is? Trauma is the beginning stages of PTSD for me. <laughs> um, trauma is when something happens in your world that you have no control over. Even if you felt like you were the catalyst or you drew it to you, it still happened to you and you had no control to even stop it. Mm. And trauma is not something that we tend to walk into, but it's something that happens to us. And even if we are looking at it with our eyes wide open, anything that happens in your world that you can't control and that leaves a lasting effect that scars you, that causes PTSD, it's traumatic. And trauma is something that we can't really, you can't compare it. Like you can't compare one traumatic episode from someone else to another traumatic experience from another person. And you can't even com- compare the um, effects of it because people process trauma differently. It's kind of like when somebody says, when you have lost a loved one and they come and say, I know exactly how you feel. No, you don't. I lost my mom last, I, I lost my aunt or I lost my cousin um, four months ago. Right. And they try to, I, I like what you said, you can't necessarily um, um kind of figure out how much trauma someone had has has had based on how much you've experienced right because even though the situations or the circumstances may have been similar because we are unique individuals we're going to navigate that trauma differently and all of that's based on you know just who we are collectively the things that we've we've been through in life you know our upbringing the surroundings our family um the way our family was orchestrated you know, whether we had a family, did we have a single family home? Did we have mother and father? Did we have abuse in the home that we were in? You know, it's all, it's so many, there are so many factors that play into a person becoming who they are that you can't compare one person to another because we have different experiences that cause us to be unique. Mm-hmm. Wow. Now, well, let's jump into it with, in regards to Kanye West then. Okay. So we know that several years ago, Kanye West had, um, he lost his mother. Right. And, and by, by way, you know, before we get too far into it, the, the clinical definition of trauma is a deeply distressing or disturbing personal experience. It's a deep, deeply depressed, distressing or disturbing experience. So that's what, in clinic, clinically, that's what they say it is. And it lines up exactly with what your working definition of what trauma is, because you've 
you've had a chance to coach some people based off of some of your own personal experiences out of some serious uh, trauma. So with Kanye West, he lost his mother. But if, if we go a little step further, there was an incident at the VMAs when he had um, kind of went through some other things. Kanye West had a, had a history kind of wilding out, right? Right. So, you know, 808, uh, Heartbreaks and 808 was right. a great album. But we know we we benefited by getting that album, through, even though he went through a, a tremendous breakup. Mm-hmm. You know, so he's someone, as many artists do, they process their trauma. Publicly. Publicly. Uh, I think that's a huge, huge disadvantage to even navigating it. Well, it is a huge disadvantage because many times when we go through things, just people who are, if I can say just regular citizens, you know, <laughs> and not regular in a, in a in a negative sense, but, you know, we don't have celebrity status. Right. We can go through things and we can process in private so we can break down, we can act before we can tear things up in private and no one knows but once you hit celebrity status you don't have the privilege of processing or going through any kind of experience in private because cameras are everywhere people are everywhere cell phones are everywhere and critics are everywhere so if you're already going through something that's depressing or that's causing your your mental state to be altered the last thing you need is somebody judging you Hmm. that adds insult to injury I agree and um, whenever we see somebody, and Judge Mathis said this in one of his episodes recently, he said, when you see somebody acting abnormal, something ain't right. That's exactly what he said. You know, and, and not normal in the sense of, of of putting someone in a category of this is the script we have to live in. But, I mean, we all go through situations, but there's a difference between going through something and you're being transformed by, by a process. There's a difference between that and when you're going through something and you go through a mood swing. Yeah, I mean, like, you know, not to go into it, be any, you know, go to any depth of it, but during that episode, there was a woman who was 45 mm-hmm. and she reacted to a situation as if she was 14, mm-hmm. which is where she had had her last traumatic, her first traumatic experience when she said she buried her kid or something. But yeah, she. Had, yeah. she reacted to something that a normal or a person who was mentally stable mm-hmm. 45-year-old would not have responded in that same way. And so that showed him that, you know, something was, something just wasn't right and that she needed some help. She needed some assistance in navigating problems and navigating life and even navigating her perception of life. Mm. And you brought up PTSD earlier. Um, I, I think that we underestimate the impact of a traumatic experience because whenever something isn't healed or grieved properly and, and going through a process, quote unquote process, it creates scar tissue mm-hmm. that doesn't heal properly and that becomes a source of discomfort. So now imagine every time you, you, you damaged a ligament in your body, mm-hmm. but you didn't go get go to the doctor and get it set right. You didn't go to the doctor and get um, um, you know, occupational therapy, PT or whatever. And years later, everything is aching and hurting and every move you make is affecting you negatively because you have multiple injuries that were never properly Yeah, healed. because things get things are layered. Like if you have if you if you um, 
when you get a, when you get a scar, if the scar is deep enough or whatever that injury was, you know, was severe enough, mm-hmm. there's going to be scar tissue. Right. That's just a part of the healing process. But when scar tissue is there and it's healthy scar tissue, then that scar tissue can flow with how you're flowing, with how your ligaments, how your joints are flowing. But when that scar tissue is a result of not being healed and not have gone through the process of coming to a healing state, Mm -hmm. then it overlaps and it layers. And so when you move that joint the wrong way, that scar tissue tears. Mm -hmm. And then that just is, is considered a trigger. You know, for a new level of, or a new instant, inst, um, a new level of pain. And and so we have a person like Kanye, mm-hmm. who's unfortunately had layer after layer of what he perceives as hurt, which right. were traumatic experiences. So him, when him and and Jay Z, they they split up mm-hmm. when they had their break, it wasn't amicable. Right. Um, Jay-Z is notorious in the celebrity world for stonewalling so he just goes into quiet mode and won't address anything and Kanye is a very vocal very verbal person mm-hmm. and he because he can't wait he goes into on, on this rant in the middle of a concert for like 13 minutes he goes into attack mode attack mode and he begins to act abnormally right and what we saw unfortunately in South Carolina beyond just the the political uh, ramifications of what he's doing because he's obviously not serious about running for president. Well, <laughs> I mean, what's going on with him in his mental state probably is serious. Mm. But Kanye, a healthy Kanye, would not be serious. Gotcha, gotcha. But so he's he's going on this rant and let's th- talk about some of what he said uh, Sunday. One of the first things he was talking about was, of course, Harriet Tubman. Free, she was. She never freed slaves. She just took them to work for other white people. What, what, I, what he meant? I mean, what, what happened was there were no black-owned businesses or any entrepreneurial opportunities right. for a very, very newly released slave with no skill set. Right. So, in helping slaves relocate from from plantations, they were able to get jobs in the in the world up north. Where they would get paid, right, it, well, and establish a, a sense of freedom and, right. for what they knew, a sense of of a new normal. Right, they were able to get married. They, you know, so he's he's you know kind of splitting hairs, but he's just doing it. And I think the um, the spirit behind what he was doing, it was so angry the way he was saying. Yeah, it. he's very angry. You know, then he went on. And he talked about. Uh, how he, um, his father left him. Mm-hmm. And that's when he had that, like, 10, ten sec- minute, like, 10 second crying Ugh. where he was just standing there just, like, and everybody's like, it's all right, Kanye, it's all right. What, what, where's the, what's the, the people around you, what do you think their responsibility is when they see you going through a meltdown like this? Well, I mean, because he, he even started crying about he almost killed his daughter. Yeah, he's you like, know? abortion um, is bad, you know, yeah. yeah. Well, the people that are around you, they have the responsibility of, of, of helping you get help. Oftentimes, when you run into a, a, a person that's as strong as Kanye is, and just, you know, Kanye's a rebel. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's harder to get those people to understand that they need help. Because someone who has mental illness... And they're off their meds. They don't really know that they need help. Mm-hmm. And because they have all these different voices talking to them, they become extra paranoid. Mm-hmm. 
So even the family members that are trying to help them, because I know that the Kardashians, especially Kim, you know, you look at just the internet, she's been getting a lot of heat for allowing him to do what he's doing, but Kanye has always done what Kanye wanted to do. Because (laughs) if Kanye didn't do what Kanye wanted to do, there's no way in the world he would have ended up on a stage taking a, 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 a an award from a teenage girl. <laughs> you know? Taylor Swift, yeah. Taylor Swift. And because Kanye just walked up on the stage because, hey, I'm Kanye. I do what I want to do. So can you imagine just some of the stuff that is going on in their home? Wow. So, of course, it's their job to try to get them, you know, to get the help that they need. So, I mean, outside of calling the police and having them 502 I, I don't know what else he, they wow. could do and you know and I've, I've made no secrets about my struggles and, and challenges with depression uh, thank God I've, I've never had a manic episode like Kanye but I know what it's like because the medication does make you feel better mm-hmm. and the challenge with that is in your mind if you're not careful because you're feeling better then I don't need as much medication. Right. Because the medication is doing what it's supposed to do. Yep. That's where you need accountability and you need people in your life who can, um, who are willing to set boundaries with you and say, okay, until the doctor says so, you don't get off of this. And, Con- and the sad part is Kanye has joked about in Not some of his... Not taking his meds when it's time to do a new project. He likes the edge that it mm-hmm. gives him. And that's a problem because there are too many people that see that and go, wow, Maybe I don't need meds either. Right. And now you got right. this chain reaction. But, you know, when you talk about people that are celebrities, I mean, it, I, 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 I imagine it must be really hard to tell somebody with that much money what to do. It is hard to tell someone, with not even just with that much money, with that much attitude. We're talking about Kanye West mm-hmm. with the attitude and the intensity of his attitude. Mm-hmm. Of course it's difficult. And then, of course, I mean, with the money that he has, he has he's surrounded by yes people. Yes. Exactly. So whenever anybody is surrounded by yes people, they are on a quick path to destruction. Why, why, why do you think so? Because people need people in their lives to, to, as, to serve as a buffer, accountability. Hey, this is the roof. When you come up against it, you hit the roof, and they help push you back down. And so if there are nobody, if there's no, no one in your life to tell you, Hey, you're going too far. Hey, stop. Hey, there's danger ahead. Hey, pull back. Then you're just left to your own devices. And I'm talking about not just for someone who's mentally, you know, not as stable as they could be. I'm talking about for even people that are healthy. We all need accountability. We all need um, those boundaries because we all have blind spots that we can't see from some certain angles and positions in our world. That's good. And I think it's unfair to constantly... I, I believe that society is giving Kanye a, 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 a cop-out. Like when he went crazy in TMZ. Mm-hmm. Slavery was a choice. Mm-hmm. You know, while he has deeper meanings to what he's trying to say, I think he gets lost in the minutia of it all. But we tend to say, well, you know, Kanye wasn't right when, you know, after he lost his mama. Mm-hmm. But let's let's kind of switch gears because there's another celebrity, Tamar Braxton. And before we dive in her, let's take a couple of minutes and just, you know, just shine light on the black community and its taboo relationship with mental illness. You know, and, and I believe that the black community, first of all, has been, it, it's been a taboo subject for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And, and primarily because the black community has been judged for so much 
They don't want to add anything else to the plate. So we've already been judged for this, judged for that. God, don't let the world think we're crazy too. You know what I mean? That's really, that's just been, that's the reality of it. But I think that as time has progressed, and especially with um, Kanye coming out when he came out and said, hey, I'm bipolar, you know, I, I, I have bipolar disorder. You know, when he starts talking about those things, mm-hmm. it made um, mental illness a little more, it, it normalized it for the black community a little more. And people started open up, opening up about those things. And you heard even other celebrities saying, hey, I, yep, I, I deal with depression. I deal with this. So it, it, it has been taboo for years, but I want to say that it's getting better. Thank God. Right. Because you know, we were having um, lunch with a friend of ours who just happens to be white, and she was talking about the um, the disparity of the disparity of uh, mental health in the black community. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of chuckled. I said that's because our parents was like, "Oh, you're not crazy. You'll be all right." <laughs> or at school calls said, "Hey, um, you know, Miss Miss Jackson, a little early is having some trouble in school." She was like, oh, I'm going to give him some help. Yeah, I got some help for him. Yeah, and we just kind of, and then every family, not every family, but most families had a couple of relatives that, you know, if they stayed with someone, they were adults, you know, Mm -hmm. in their mid-30s, late-30s, whatever, and they lived with your aunt. Right. And they just stayed in their room to themselves. Yep. And they was like, leave him alone. You know he ain't got no sense. And, and they, so they kind of swept it under the they rug. Swept like, it under the rug. You yeah. know, take take your uncle Jeffrey a plate. He back there in the back, and mm-hmm. he never comes out. But yep. that's a problem with that. That's a problem with that, and it, and it's wild because it's kind of a uh, oxymoron kind of because at the same time, when say little early, since we're talking about little early, you were in class and you were doing certain things, you what your parents weren't going to put you on any medication. So that you would be on medication for the rest of your life, they said, "Hey, I got the medication and then it's strapped." Mm-hmm. And for real, once your once your father said, "Hey, I got this," you went to school and somehow or another you managed. You managed until you couldn't. Until manage you couldn't anymore. manage anymore. Yep. And I remember I was going to junior high school with this guy, and he went buck wild just in the middle of the day for no reason. Somebody was messing with him, and he just snapped. Mm-hmm. And it was like a rubber band. Mm-hmm. He was never the same again after that. It was like it popped. Mm-hmm. He was, and, and, you know, to the last time I saw him, we were like, it was like right after I joined the military. And he was just kind of like out there. And we had begun to accept the fact that, yo, you know, he just out there. And you wonder what place in society has that person was that person able to find because one you're coming from the projects right. where healthcare is already sparse right. sparse mm-hmm. you know and then you add mental health issues as a as a added layer of you know kind of disqualification you wonder where that person could have went or how they could have survived how they survived yeah and, and i mean but we had to just as a people we had to survive so much that somehow or another they managed. Mm-hmm. And even though it wasn't the best um, ordeal, you know what I mean? They, they, they managed, and again, some for a longer period of time, some for decades. Mm-hmm. They managed as long as they could manage. And like you said, there's always a pop in that bubble because nobody can control that kind of pressure and that kind of stress and just PTSD. Nobody can control that for so long but for without so- getting help. Exactly. And speaking of pop, we were able to listen to, um, this is crazy how society is now. TMC had the 911 call that Tamar Braxton's boyfriend, boyfriend made to, you know, the emergency mm-hmm. people. 
and he was emotional. He was yeah. crying, and, and he kept saying, she's on depression medicine, and there's a half a bottle of, he was saying, he was trying to describe whatever she was drinking, right. but she had mixed drug, you know, not drugs, she had mixed alcohol with the um, medication. Depre- depression medication, which is already, already a deadly cocktail. Yep, it's a deadly cocktail. And she was in a downward spiral, kind of a, 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 a manic episode herself, because she had sent this real cryptic letter to, um, uh, to her network, mm-hmm. you know, saying that she she had never been she had never been this close to suicide. She felt like she could have ended her own life when right. they turned on her. So you got all these, you know, all these different symptoms: paranoia, frustration, yep. anger, yep. and she just she snapped. Yeah. And the sad part about it is what we were talking about earlier about what they're saying about her now. Yeah. Now they're you know. First of all, they're saying, oh, well, we knew Tamar, something was wrong with Tamar, da-da-da. And then meanwhile, though, while you got one sector of people saying that, you got these other people saying, oh, she's just resting, she's fine. Right. So where is the medium, where is the truth in between that? You know, she snapped and no, she's not fine. Right. Because you're not fine right after that kind of a, you almost take your life, you're not fine. Right. I've been there and I know you're not fine. Whether intentionally or unintentionally. Right, you're not there fine. There was still a part of you that, that, was, that felt you know, reckless enough with the situation that it wasn't worth your best judgment. So now you got this cover-up. And I, I, it's, and you got the... I mean, let's talk about with suicide. You got the shame and the guilt and all those things that accompany th- that type of, of just depression. So she has to be... Right now, first of all, she's probably heavily medicated. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's the first thing. But when she comes to... She's got, it, it's a recipe for disaster unless she's right into therapy. Right into Like a right into a program that's going to help her navigate life because otherwise, whatever it was that caused this can probably be categorized with them four letters, PTSD. She's been through this with a network before. She's been through the public shame of stuff before. And all of these things. Her marriage things, fell apart. Her marriage fell apart. Her family fell apart growing up and she was the baby. So she's been through all of this for so long she's been trying to be the fixer she's been trying to be the fixer and she's always been the one who was you know the most outspoken Mm -hmm. because for whatever reason whatever happened during that time there was some attention that Tamar didn't get Mm-hmm. And so she grew up, and she—I mean, watch the reality show. She's she's pretty much said it. She's starving. Yeah. So she's been a ball of just you know, a cotton and just knots and all that for a very long time. And so it sounds like what happened just came to a head. Wow. And you know, last year when we had a, a very close family member go through a diagnosis, right? Um, they said, and it, this she was in her early twenties. They said, you know, the first one, once it happens. And that scared the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. It was like the next one is easier to happen. Yeah. Because they've already gone until they get back and get stronger. Yeah. They're they're susceptible to a, a relapse very close afterwards. Yeah. And unfortunately, we I mean, we went through that yo-yo. That was yeah. like six months of diagnoses, between diagnoses, um, going through it, you know, trying to get the medication levels right. Yeah. There's so much that goes into that. And if you add somebody that's already defiant, mm-hmm. Anywhere in that mm-hmm. process, like you said, that's that's a recipe for disaster. A recipe for yeah. So you know, we just wanted to take and, and kind of just shed a light on a couple of things. Uh, God knows we're praying for Kanye. We're praying for Tamar. Anyone that's even listening to this podcast, there are so many different ways you can get so many help. Sources and outlets and 
crew, they have a, a hotline that you can call. Find somebody in, in your world that you know you can talk to. Everybody needs somebody. That's why we, I mean, we were built for community. We were built for relationships. So find somebody in your world to talk to. Call the um, suicide hotline. The number is 1-800-273-8255. Say it again. 1-800-273-8255. And folks, if even if you feel like, oh my God, they're talking about they're going to hurt themselves. They're not going to do it. You know what? Everybody's faking and talking about doing it until they do it. And even with that number, I wanted to say, you know, if you feel like you can't necessarily talk to somebody, you can text. Yep. <laughs> you can text and, and, and get help. But when people start threatening to take their lives and, and you know, you say, oh, they just want attention. They're not going to do it. Even if they have to prove you wrong sometimes, they'll try it. Exactly. So if somebody threatens that, let them be mad at you later. But as a friend... As a loved one, you have a responsibility to make that call to get them some help. And just before we're out of here, if you are if you are someone you love needs that needs a crisis counselor and you don't feel comfortable calling, you can text the word home H O M E to the number seven four one seven four one. You want to text the word home H O M E to seven four one seven four one. All right, folks, once again, this is The Inconvenient Truth with... Early and Sharice, and if I could say one last thing, Mm -hmm. if you are going through something, by all means, get help. And what we want to make sure we're doing is not criticizing the people that are surrounding them. It's time to pray for the Braxton family. Pray for, for real, Kim and just, you know, the whole West family, because they're all in this thing together. And for real, we're all one, so we're all in this thing together. Excellent. All right, we'll see you next time. See ya.